You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening, and let's check it out. You know, and I want to talk about the goodness of God, you know, and we've been talking about wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. And we know wisdom is the application, actually acting on the knowledge and understanding. God said, get knowledge and understanding. And then, because when you get knowledge and then you understand what you're learning, it's one thing, you know, that I can say E equals MC square, you know, the theory of relativity. I can say I'm real smart saying that, but do not ask me what that means. I, I don't have a clue. That it's one thing to have knowledge, you know, but it would be another thing if I could get a grease board and explain it, you know, E, you know, e equals MC squared and explain what that whole, you know, write all that whole math term out. Then I would have understanding of it. God doesn't want just us to, to have, could be able to quote the Bible. He wants us to understand the application, just like I explained the difference between those two things. You know, some people will quote, you don't let the left hand, and that'll make you feel like, oh, maybe I shouldn't tell anybody. And then you read Matthew, and you're like, oh, put your light on a hill. Let everybody see your good works. I mean, it's not contradiction. It's, it's, it's very, if you read those chapters, you'll see what God's talking about. And so it'd be one thing if I could explain it, and then it'd be another thing if I could apply the theory of relativity, actually act on it. And that's what wisdom is. You know the word, what it says, but you understand the word, what it means. And then wisdom says, because I know this is knowledge and understanding from God, big G-O-D, God, I'm going to act on it because I know it's truth. I know it's right. I know it's from God. And I know this will turn out good for me instead of bad for me, and not just for me, but those around me. I'll bless those around me because I'm acting on God's wisdom. And he said the beginning of that is the fear of the Lord. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of God, standing in reverence, respect, and awe of God. It's just the beginning. I said it's just the beginning is the fear of God. When you, when you actually respect God, you, now you're beginning to know God. But you, if you don't respect him, you'll never know him. You'll never have his manifest presence in your life until you learn to really respect and fear God. Why do I think that? Go with me to Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. And I'm going to show you once again what happens when the fear of the Lord shows up. When people walk in the fear of the Lord, we've talked about several other things that have happened. The manifestation of God's presence. We know God is omnipresent. He's everywhere all at once. But there's a difference between his omnipresence and his manifestation. The manifestation of his presence. When God manifests himself in your life, that's when you really become intimate with God. And he said, that's not going to happen until you fear me. I'm not going to show up and be disrespected. That's God's attitude. He said, but when you show me great respect and you stand in fear of me, you stand in awe of me, and you respect that I'm God and that I'm holy, 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 he said, I'll show up. He said, I'll show up and you'll be transformed by my presence. Your thoughts, your attitudes, your intentions of your heart, your motives, he wants to, when we walk in the fear of the Lord, that's when we really begin to change on the inside out. When we walk in the fear of the Lord. So this happens 
in, in chapter 19, starting in verse 11, uh, it says, this, let me get to, to 19. So it says this, God kept releasing a flow of extraordinary miracles through the hands of Paul. Because of this, people took Paul's handkerchiefs and articles of clothing, even pieces of cloth that had touched his skin, laying them on the bodies of the sick and diseases, and demons left them and they were healed. Can you imagine that? That's why guys try to sell uh, prayer cloths on TV. I prayed over this for 1999. You can get a piece of cloth. Some of you might not have seen that, but I saw that in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s. Man, listen, if it's from God, they're not selling it. They're not selling it. If it's from God, like, it's something that, so don't, don't buy a prayer cloth. Don't buy, it's from God, they're not, they're giving that away. And trusting God to take care of their finances. That's what Paul would do. Paul would trust God to take care of his finances. And so, anyway, he's giving that away. He's not selling miracles. He's not selling miracles. If you'll read through Acts, you'll find out that one sorcerer tried to buy. He thought he could buy laying on, the, laying on of hands in the, and baptizing people in the Holy Spirit. He saw it as a, as a very powerful, most powerful and dramatic miracle he'd seen. He tried to buy it, see what was said of him and what was said about him. And who was motivating that? He said, that is motivated by Satan himself trying to buy this gift. And so you can't buy that, and you shouldn't buy prayer cloths and, and pay for that. And so here's verse 13. It says, Now there were seven itinerant Jewish exorcists, sons of Sceva, the high priest, who took it upon themselves to use the name and authority of Jesus. They took it upon themselves. They weren't given authority in Jesus' name. Now, if you're, if you're surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ, he gives you his authority. I always equate it to the sheriff. You know, the sheriff, I don't know if you know this, but every time he's elected, he has to swear in every deputy again. Every time he's elected. So every four years, whoever's elected sheriff, they all stand up there, raise your right hand, and he swears them in. And he basically gives them his authority to operate as a deputy sheriff. As a deputy. He gives them their authority. Jesus Christ is in charge of everything. His name is above every name. He has authority over heaven and earth. And so when you become a Christian, now he gives you his authority. He has deputized you with his name and given you the authority of his name to lay hands on the sick, to lay hands on people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to cast out demons. But these guys didn't get their authority from Jesus. They just took it upon themselves. It'd be like, It'd be like you and I dressing up like sheriff deputies and putting lights on one of our cars and trying to pull people over with some badge from the Dollar General, one of the little kids' badge. I mean, after a while, someone's going to come and arrest you for impersonating an officer. Well, these guys are impersonating Christians and trying to impersonate Paul. Because they saw Paul cast out demons. They saw even the laying on cloths on people. Demons would scream and leave. And so they're like, man, we know this is all done in the authority of Jesus. And so we're going to take it upon ourselves. And here's what they did. Um, took it upon themselves to use the name and authority of Jesus over those who were demonized. They would say, we cast you out in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. 
One day when they said those words, the demon in the man replied, I know about Jesus and I recognize Paul. See, he knows about Jesus and he recognized Paul. Otherwise, I know Jesus is the sheriff and I recognize that Paul has been deputized by the sheriff to use his authority. Then he said this, but who, who do you think you are? That'd be like, you know, me pulling up and you and I making siren noises. Ram, ram, pull over. People are like, who do you think? You? You're crazy. Who do you think you are? And that's because they don't recognize our authority. These demons did not recognize these seven men's authority over them. And they just said, ah, we know Jesus and we recognize Paul's authority in the name of Jesus. He's a deputy sheriff, but you're an imposter. Demons recognize it. And then the demonized man jumped on them, all seven of them, and threw them to the ground, beating them mercilessly. He overpowered the seven exorcists until they all ran out of the house naked and badly bruised. Now, I never watched the full movie, The Exorcist, when it came out in the 70s, and I wouldn't highly recommend rocking the, watching the new version either. But I did know that I saw a clip one time of that demon beating up that priest and throwing him out the stinking window on the street. Now, that would be a priest who doesn't know his authority in the name of Jesus. That's exactly what happened here. He beat him bloody. He stripped him, he stripped him naked and threw him in the street. The reason they didn't strip Jesus naked on the cross because it was forbidden to be naked in any way, shape, or form publicly of a Jewish man, of a Jewish person. It was, of, it would, it was great shame. That's the only reason Jesus is depicted with a loincloth. He still had a loincloth on. They left it on. The other guys were probably stripped naked because they wanted to totally degrade and shame them publicly. That's why the Nazis would strip the Jews naked in front of everybody publicly because they wanted to shame them and degrade them. A lot of people that I know that are demon-possessed, I just saw a man today was running through, the, running through a store and a bunch of men jumped on him and beat him up. He, he stripped himself naked inside this store and started running around. They said he had a mental issue, but I have been around many demon-possessed people that want to take their clothes off, want to strip naked because Satan wants to degrade them. He wants to shame and degrade them. And that's, that's what happened to these guys. They got shamed and degraded and beat bloody by one man. One man beat seven men. Demons are powerful when you don't know Jesus. But they're powerless when you do know Jesus. It's night and day. But let's see what happens as a result of this. All of the people in Ephesus were awestruck, both Jews and non-Jews, when they heard about what happened. Great fear, everybody say great fear, great fear, fell over the entire city, and the authority of the name of Jesus was exalted. Many believers publicly, this is what happened when the fear of God came on the city. This is incredible. Listen to what they did. 
They said, many believers publicly confessed their sins and disclosed their secrets. Large numbers of those who had been practicing magic took all of their books and scrolls and spells and incantations and publicly burned them. When the value of all the books and scrolls were calculated, it came to several million dollars. See, when the fear of the Lord comes, holiness starts to happen. What is holiness? What is holiness? Holiness means to be set apart and to be unique. That's why, we're going to look at Isaiah 6 in a minute. That's why when the angel said, if we get to it, we'll say, they said, holy, holy, holy. When Isaiah the prophet saw Jesus on the throne, he said, he said the angels were screaming, holy, holy, holy. That means you're set apart, you're set apart, you're set apart. You're unique, unique, unique. You are one of a kind, one of a kind, one of a kind. That's why these things that say, what if Jesus was, what if God was one of us, is so demonically inspired. Even some of these commercials that God gets us, Jesus gets us, because he, he would, listen, God, I think a lot of that is to lower Jesus to human standards and to human, so that we don't treat him as holy. He's set apart. He's unique. He's one of a kind. He's not one of five. He's not one of 15. He's not one of 100. He's one of a kind. He is God Almighty. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is separated and unique and special and the only one. The only one. And we, we don't, people want to degrade. They want to bring him, God, to our level. First of all, God's not going to do it. You, people who do that, they lose the fear of the Lord. They lose it because they don't, they, he loses their uniqueness. They become too familiar. And when familiar, familiarity breeds contempt. That is, there's truth to that. That's why when you're dating, you know, it's like, you're so awesome. Then you get married, you're like, what happened to all the awesomeness, man? Where'd that go? You just start getting familiar, and that familiarity, if you allow it, will breed contempt. That's why Julie and I, we have certain barriers. We have some stuff that we've uh, done in our, 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 our marriage that we don't want to violate and get too familiar with each other. We're, we're, we, have a, we have an intimacy, a closeness with each other, but there's, there's and, and we have a, she's my best friend, and I, I'm, I'm her best friend most of the time, and, but no, I'm her best friend, and, and we, have this, we have this intimate relationship, but man, we don't, there's lines we just don't cross. I don't want to, she doesn't want to, because we don't want to get too familiar that we lose respect. And some people, because of the goodness of God, you know, have you ever heard that statement? Hey, don't think, don't take advantage of my kindness. Because I'm kind, but man, you start taking advantage of that, you're going to find out there's another side. And that's what's happened with people in our culture because God's so kind, he's so good, he's so loving, they have forgotten that he is God. He is judge. They've forgotten that he's holy, unique, separated from all others and everything in the universe. He is above it all. And they've lost their awe of God and the fear of God. You see, the fear of God here 
is now causing sin to be purified. I'm going to say this to you. I've, I've been meditating on this for weeks, but it's the fear of God that brings holiness and purity to our lives, and, and we eliminate sin. It is the love of God that brings compassion in our lives, and we need both. And that the love of God compels us to do good things and care about others and be kind to them and to give. It's the fear of God that compels us on the inside to want to be pure and holy. And, and you got to have both. And when people lose the fear of the Lord, man, they're, they're going to lose big time. But I want you to also notice here, too, that because great fear came upon them, and they greatly feared the authority of God and of Jesus that, man, God's presence manifested. His presence manifested. And, and look what happened to them when his presence manifested. They started confessing, man, you know what? I've been playing games. I don't want to play games. You know, when people, when people with genuine and sincere hearts confess sins and you know, and, and it's genuine. It's not like, look at me. It's like, man, look at, man, I've been, I've been playing games, and I don't want to start playing games. And, man, I, I, my intentions have been wrong in this area and that area. Man, it, it does something to all of us. It, it really, to me, it inspires all of us to take an inward look. You know, there's a statement that John Maxwell made you know, that we, we must learn to look, look at truth and look at our lives and enjoy it. We must learn to look at truth and enjoy it. So many people hate truth. Like someone puts a, you know, God puts a mirror up and says, man, this part of your life's jacked up. And a lot of people are like, give me another mirror. Where's the other mirror? I want to see that part. And, and man, when you, when you walk in the fear of God, you, it does, it's not a dread. I don't dread God putting a mirror on my life and showing me, hey, you know what, Troy, you need to work on this and work on that. and You know, you need to get better at this. I don't dread it at all. I enjoy it. Why? Because I know God has my best interest at, at heart. And I heard, I heard one man say this, that, you know, some people think, well, God's picky. He's just picking me apart, man. Picky, picky, picky. Let me ask you a question. If you were going into surgery... And the surgeon walked in, and he had mud all over him. And he walked in, and he went, <laughs> man. all right, where do we cut him open at? You'd be like, oh, oh, wait a minute, time out. That ain't happening. This guy, he's got me. He's covered in filth. He's filthy, dirty. He just sneezed on both hands and rubbed them together. So you can go, Mandy's like all freaked out, like, oh, that grosses me out. Yeah, think about him, think about him cutting you open and sticking his hands in there. I want my surgeon, or he just, he walks in, he's all clean, but the nurses all walk in, they don't have masks or gloves, they just walk in and they're shaking hands and high-fiving and, and, uh, and, you know, and he's just like, oh, well, you know, I'm clean, They'll be, it'll be all right. No, I want my surgeon to walk in and go, hey, you better be sterilized. You better be sterilized. You better be sterilized. I'm sterilized. The equipment better be. I want the pickiest surgeon you've ever seen. I want him to be picky, picky, picky. Why? Because my life is at stake. And the success of that surgery is at stake. 
I don't want an infection that will kill me. You know, when I worked at the, I was, I wouldn't work at the hospital. I was on the board at the hospital. They would talk about staph infection and where it came from. It came from the outside, but you know where it mostly came from? Not nurses, but doctors not washing their hands. I, I didn't make that up. I'm, lis- I'm listening to them all talk. I don't know. I'm like, where's that staph infection all coming from? They said, well, it's, the nurses wash their hands, but not all the doctors wash their hands. So now I look. I see who washes their hands and who doesn't when they walk in. I mean, I'm watching. Why? Because staph infection will kill you. It can be worse than the problem you had. And so, man, I don't, I want, I, I don't mind God being picky because my life's at stake. My life in this life and especially my life in the next is at stake. Man, come on, God be picky. Come on, surgeon, be picky. I don't want my airline pilot not to be picky. To come on the speaker and say, hey, I just want you to know we haven't checked our gas levels. Uh, you know what? We're not even sure if that the right wing looks a little off, but we're not going to check it. I mean, I'm getting, I'm like, I'm out. Anybody coming with me? I'm off this plane. I don't care if I have to jump out the door. I'll, I'll pull the slide. I'll slide out, man. I'm out. I'm off. Why? Because I want my airline pilot to be picky. I want to know. I like it when I see them walking under the plane. You know, I watch out the window, and they're looking, and they're looking at everything, and flaps are flat, and they're checking, and they're pulling on stuff. They're check- I'm like, yeah, that's the, that's the guy I want, me to, I want to fly because he's picky, and I want him to be picky. I want him to check, see how much fuel's in that aircraft. I want them to make sure that that thing's functioning. You know, when they stop and they say, man, we got a malfunction, I'm like, praise God, I'm glad you stopped. I don't want to hear that up in the air. I'd rather hear that. On, and the people are like, oh, we got to wait. I'm like, no, God, no, I'm frustrated too. I don't want to wait, but I'd rather wait. Let's wait, make sure that this plane's working right. And yet, when it comes to the things of God, we're like, God, come on. Man, you, you're always you're showing me this and showing me that. Man, gosh, he's, he, he's not showing us any of that to hurt. They're not being picky in surgery to hurt us. They're being picky to help us. They're, they're not being, you know, if, you, if they told you to fast for 24 hours before you came in and you didn't, and they don't do that surgery, I'm so glad they don't. They don't want you to get hurt. That's your benefit, not theirs. God, this is for our benefit that God points things out, and we need to welcome truth and, and get to a place where you enjoy it. Like, come on, God, I want some more of that. Why? Because when you walk in the fear of the Lord, you know he's, he's doing this for your, God has everything. He don't need nothing from us, but we need everything from him. And he's willing to give it if our heart is right, that we don't run from it. Instead, we embrace the truth and say, come on, God, you know what? I do need to work on my temper. I have an attitude. I've gone from job to job to job. Obviously, it's not the job, it's me. But show me what I need to change, and I welcome it. And I'm like, God, I enjoy you teaching me and showing me. But only those who walk in the fear of the Lord, the Lord walk in that manifest. Well, he start begin to manifest his presence and start showing you things just like he did here. He started showing them, hey, your heart's not right. But when great fear of God fell, they're like, man, I need to get my heart right. My intentions are right. I got some sin in my life. These were believers. And then others that were unbelievers are like, we see now. 
This is the God that's above all these demons and all this witchcraft. And they burnt over millions. They publicly burned all these scrolls and all this evil stuff just publicly burned it. And, and man, the fear of the Lord and great things started to happen. Listen to what happened. The last verse here, it says, the power of God. Everybody say the power of God. Caused the word to spread and the people were greatly impacted. Greatly impacted. Isn't that what we want? But you know what happened? had to happen was the fear of God had to fall. Man, you know, if, if we ever get to a place, and you can personally do this, get to a place where you really begin to walk and enjoy the fear of the Lord, that you're in awe of him, and you walk in fear and reverence of him, I'm telling you, you'll, you'll, his presence will start manifesting in your life. He'll start showing up. He'll start showing up. Listen to what it says. Uh, gosh, in Matthew, I want to take you to the book of Matthew. Where's that at? Matthew 5, 8. says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. He's talking about holiness. That, you know, when, when the fear of the Lord comes, they begin to set themselves apart. They begin to deal with sin and burn these books. And they were setting themselves apart. Setting themselves apart because of the fear of the Lord. And when they set themselves apart, God's manifest presence showed up. And God's power manifested. And people were greatly impacted. He's saying right here, when you, when you allow me to purify and, and, and teach you how to be set apart from this world, my, he said, you will see me. You will see me. He's not talking about just, he's not talking about heaven. We're going to see him in heaven. He's talking about here on earth. You'll see me. You'll begin, my presence will begin to manifest in your life. Well, you'll start experiencing me. You'll know me. You'll know me. I'll know you. You'll know me. We'll have, we'll have this intimate relationship with one another because you have allowed me to purify your heart. And man, when, when your heart is pure towards God and you are, are walking in the reverence and fear of God, he'll just start manifesting in your life, man. It'll just start happening on a regular basis. And he'll, he'll start telling you things. He'll start speaking things to you. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, man, so good. Psalms 25, 14 says, The secret of the Lord is with is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. Man, you want to know, see, you know, I believe God told me, don't do this, don't do sugar rush, don't do uh, uh, the Easter thing, because I got other plans, I got other stuff coming, and, and I believe he showed me that, because I do my best to walk in the fear of God. The fear of the Lord. You know, God calls not walking in the fear of him, and not obeying his word, and doing what is right, for your life. Now, we're not talking about the love of God that compels us to good works. We're talking about the fear of God that compels us to, to be set apart from this world, to not want to be like them, but to be like, like God. God said, be holy as I am holy. What he's saying is, pursue me to be like me, not like the world. And he said, when you do that, and you walk in the fear of me, I'll begin to tell you, seek, I'll begin to speak to you. People have asked me, and I was thinking about this today, that years ago, this woman, a very influential woman in the community, asked me and said, Pastor Troy, how do you hear from God? I've known him, I've known him as Lord all my life, but I don't, 
I don't hear, you talk about hearing from him, and I hear what you say, and then I see things happen, and I'm like, he does hear from God. How is this working? And it freaked her out, but I'm going to be honest with you. She didn't walk in any fear of God. And I didn't even know how to explain that to her back then. And, and today, I'm like, God, I wish I would have known what I know now. Because I would have told her, because she was seriously an alcoholic. Her whole family, they all drink and party, and really, they, 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 I believe they were saved, but they lived so far apart from his word that alcohol was the dividing factor. They, they tried to come to church here and found out we don't drink, and they left over alcohol. They chose alcohol over what they really needed to pursue, which was a greater uh, relationship with God. And see, if you're going to choose alcohol over God, and you're going to choose marijuana over God, and you're going to choose this, this thing or money or this thing over God, then, guys, you're really not walking in the fear of the Lord. And then no wonder he doesn't manifest and speak. He's not going to manifest and speak when you disrespect him. But he said, if you'll yield to me, I'll show up. I'll manifest myself. He said, I'll show up. I'll, I'll let you see me. I'll let you see me. He said, then when you see me, I'll tell you secrets. I'll begin to speak to you and give you direction. And I'll give you insight. And I'll, I'll just, I'll tell you stuff that's coming. I'll prepare you. You know, I don't know how anybody parents, or I don't know, I don't know how to be a good husband without hearing from God. I really don't. I don't know how that works. I don't know how people do it. I, I, because I've heard from the Lord, and he said things to me so sweetly, like, hey, Julie needs you to do this. Julie needs you to, she needs you just to comfort her right now. Julie needs you home. Julie needs, and he'll just deal with me and speak to me. I don't know how many times he's spoken to me about my children. Hey, you need to pull this son aside, and you need to really speak to him about this issue. Not how many times. And guys, that doesn't make me special. That's him. He's the one that's special. I'm just yielded. I'm just yielding. All of us can yield. And I've yielded. And, and I, I don't know how many times I've told Julie, Julie, I really sense this. And she goes, you know what? I've sensed the same thing. And I'll sit one of my, I've set my sons down and looked across them and said, you don't have to tell me, son. God's already told me that you're dealing with this issue. Not how many times they've dropped their heads and cried. Said, Dad, I am. I'm struggling. And I'm like, God knows. He hears your prayers. He knows. He loves you, and he loves us. And, and he's, he's, he's told me to, to deal with this with you and give you an avenue. You can talk to me about this. Let's talk about this, son. Let's, I want to help you overcome this. I want to help you right now. Because I don't beat him up. When, I don't like, God told me to tell you that you're in sin. You know, I don't, I, that's not how I approach it because that's not how he approached me. And so God, when you love him and you fear him and you respect him, he, he treats you like you do. And so I'm always leaving a door open for my kids to come, you know, to get some things right. And it's been amazing how those conversations, they've been some of the best conversations I've ever had when the Lord directed it. I don't know how many times the Lord has said, don't speak here. Don't say anything right here. In the times I obey it, how important that moment was. Listen, God wants to tell you things. He wants to tell you things about your own life, about people you love, and he wants to help you. He wants to help them. But you gotta, you gotta surrender to the fear of the Lord and 
and really begin, and you can say, well, I don't know what that feels like. I don't know what that, begin to pray. Say, God, teach me how to fear you, walk in fear of you. Not, not fear of the dark, not fear of deep, but teach me how to walk in reverence and respect in awe of you. Teach me. Teach me, Lord. And if you ask him, he'll do it. And, when he, and I guarantee you, as you begin, he'll start to purify your life. He'll teach you. He'll start setting you apart from the things of the world where you're just like, okay, I don't want that anymore. I don't need that in my life anymore. Lord, help me overcome that. He'll start showing you, and then what you're going to start experiencing is his manifest presence. He's going to start, he's going to start, you're going to see him in this life. You're going to experience in him, and your relationship with him is going to start to just soar. And your love for him will grow even greater. Even greater. And we'll see the goodness of God in the land of the living for all of us. Amen. Listen, every eye closed. And Josh, that, what you're playing is really led of the Lord. Let's just sit here for a moment. Josh, just play what you're playing, whatever you're playing. I don't know if you're making that up or if that's a song. Just play that. Play that a little louder. And let's bring that up if we can. And I just believe the Lord's dealing with people right now. And His presence is just thick in here. you're listening online or you're here with us you've, you've not walked in respect of God and you've yielded to all kinds of things and some of which you're ashamed of some of which that you just know are wrong and you know it's damaged your life and damaged the relationships it's kept you from having a, a real relationship with God and it's just hurt relationship after relationship in your life and it's hurt you. It keeps dragging you backwards. And but tonight, you know, God's just he's showing you that everything he does, even walking the fear of him and his call for holiness and purity is good for us. It's good for you, good for me. It's out of his love that he sows all that. Tonight, you're just like, okay, I need to yield. I need to yield to God. You know, when we come up to a, you know, you have a yield sign and someone's coming your, your direction, that means you let them go first. You yield to them. You, you need to yield to God and let him be first in your life. Let him lead and guide and direct you because he's God. He knows where he's going and he, know what he, he knows what he created you for. 
not just in this life, but he created you to go to heaven with him. But you have a choice. You choose heaven or hell by who you surrender to, who you yield to. You can yield to this world and its various gods and the demons of this world. Or you can yield to the one true God who loves you and is is truly holy and truly God. He sent his son Jesus to die for you, die for me. He was raised from the dead and is alive. Who conquered sin and death so that we could conquer it in this life and the next. He did it for us. It's a gift he wants to give you. And maybe you're, you're ready tonight to surrender to him and ask for his help. And he'll help you. He'll help you. He'll take you on a journey. Maybe you've never done that. You've never prayed that. You've never yielded like that. And you need to. You want to. You know it's time. God brought you here for this moment. Or maybe you're listening online. He's got you right there for this moment to yield. We want to pray with you right now. Or maybe you want, you're one of those, like I did so many times, I ran away from home. I, I knew God and I know Him and I've experienced His goodness and I just kept running away, running back to the world and being drugged back by bad friendships and bad relationships and just stuff, man, kept pulling on me, loneliness, all kinds of stuff. And I'm just like, God, I, I, just, I just kept running back home and I'm so grateful He kept receiving me back. And He didn't beat me up. He just said, Troy, we got to make some changes. And I already knew that. And I just asked him for help. And he just received me home and, and loved me and helped me and to grow, to grow, to surrender my life to him and live the life that he created me to live. And he wants to do the same for you. So whether it's your first time or your next time, you just know you need to pray and get right with God right now. I'm going to ask you to do two things online and here. On the count of three online, I'm going to ask you to message us. I'm praying for the first time or the next time. Here in this room, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand up high and say, it's me. Just acknowledge that you need him. And then you can put your hand up and put it down. You can send us a message and that's it. And then the second thing we're going to do is we're all just going to pray together. So here we go. One, two, three. Raise your hand up in here and say, it's me. Thank you. All over this, all, you can thank all over the room. Praise God, that's incredible. That's incredible. Online, send the message, and then, I mean, after you've sent it, let's let's all pray together. And let's pray together as people that care about each other, because the love of God's in us. And that we've all been in these places. pray together. Let's say this together. Say, God, I believe you love me. And I believe you are God and God alone. And that you're holy, holy, holy. 
that you sent Jesus and gave his holy life for my unholy one. Died for my sins. And you raised him from the dead. He's alive. I believe that, Jesus. And because I do, God, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. And I say to you, Jesus, you are the Lord, Jesus Christ, of my life. I surrender. I yield to your Lordship. Teach me now by your word, by your spirit, how to be set, set apart as you're set apart, to follow you, to serve you, so I can live the life that you created me to live. And I can live in heaven with you forever. I ask these things. And by faith, because you promised all of these, I receive it all. And I thank you for saving me, restoring me, and now helping me to live for you. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Come on, church. Let's thank the Lord. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.